In Session with Girth. Thanks, Greg, for doing this. This is In Session. My name is Sammy. Normally, I would do an introduction and, like, kind of break down um, your accomplishment like that. But uh, this time, I kind of want... You have a number of friends, a number of associates. How would they describe you? How would, like, Stevie Wonder or Michael Jackson or the guys from Toto, how would they describe you? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, how would they... I don't know. Um, uh, Michael wrote in uh, his book, Moonwalker, I had him sign a copy uh, for me, and he wrote to my favorite keyboardist and humorist. Oh. He said to, to my favorite musician and humorist, something like that. But I remember him saying uh, the humor part. So he thought I was funny. He used to love to laugh as well. And uh, the guys in Toto... My brothers in Toto. I don't know. I, I would uh, guess they like me. <laughs> <laughs> we start with that. Yeah. Uh, that helps when you go on the road. It helps. Well, you know, I've known them for years before we hooked up, so there was uh, there was a bond, and uh, it was just wonderful getting to hang with them more intimately in a, in a tour situation, you know, especially with uh, Mikey, who is. Uh, since passed away. So. Mm -hmm. How does the, uh, since you mentioned like the tour setting, how does it change when like, do you like the tour setting more or like the studio setting? Because it's different parameters, obviously. Different it's types different, of creativity. But my thing is, I like to bring the spontaneity of playing live in the studio. And I try to bring some of the disciplines of studio environment when I'm playing live. So it's not like I prefer one over the other. Uh, both have, you know, benefits that you can use in the opposite uh, environment. You know, so I just try to, I to include uh, uh, both elements, um, you know, in, in, in either situation. Yeah. In terms of, like, Michael mentioned that you are, like, a, uh, a keyboardist slash humorist, but a keyboardist. Uh, so you do a number of, like, YouTube videos where, like, you're kind of, like, demoing new gear or playing around with gear and you're big kind of, I guess, gearhead, for lack of a better term. If you were, like, let's do the desert island scenario where you're trapped on an island and you only have, like, one element, like, one piece of equipment, one type of keyboard, or a guitar maybe even. It's got like what would you? No, if I have to, if I'm stranded on a desert island, there's not going to be any electricity. So we got <laughs> so forget electric yeah. keyboards. It's got to be a piano. Just go back to the old fashioned. Yeah. It's not old fashioned. It's what everything else came from. So, uh, yeah, piano is fine. You know, because that's how it started for me. So, has it changed at all? As like technology is kind of increased or whatever does has the technology impacted how songwriting is kind of performed like from what you're oh, absolutely I, you know it, it's with with electronic keyboards um the the biggest uh uh game changer was midi the the ability to connect several different uh, uh you know electronic instruments together and uh, since then just the improvement over time of sounds and sampling and then um, uh, methods of recording music, you know, uh, digitally through, uh, um, you know, 
platform is like Logic, Pro Tools, I Pro guess. Pro Tools uh, has uh, impacted the way music is uh, not only recorded but produced, created. Um, but I try, and you know, I'm not that much of a uh, gearhead or tech geek. Yeah. Um, but uh, I am not really that well versed in using that kind of technology because everybody else I know is. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of made me lazy in that regard and I just kind of defer to them. Um, that's kind of an advantage to too, though. My, just to help me get my ideas out. You know? But that's kind of an advantage as well because it's like, like nowadays a lot of people will focus on like doing things like with a uh, computer or whatever. But if you can use pen and paper, for example, that gives you a different flexibility, a different mentality sometimes. Yeah, to that point, it's just... The priority with me is getting the idea out and um, to whatever means I can do that, fine. But I, I, and logic, you know, when used properly, it is, is a huge convenience, you know, because it, it enables you really to get the ideas out quickly and to, um, to build upon them or improve on them. I guess you're even talking about layers and stuff too, right? Exactly, you know, and uh, so yeah, all that helps. Do you have a litmus test then of when a song is done, like, or when you think it's done, where like you put it in a car, for example, and you drive around and like listen to it or something, or like? The only litmus test for me is how does it feel good, you know? At the end of it, does it feel good? Does it, uh, you know, convey? any kind of emotion or the emotion that you want to convey successfully how good does it feel because uh, if it doesn't feel good to you first of all it's, you can't really expect it, anyone else to to latch on to it so that's pretty much it is that your starting point then the emotion i would say so you know the emotion behind whatever idea that's that's sparked and you know i try to build off of it sometimes it takes longer than others it's it it's it's kind of random because you know lately I've been, uh, for lack of a better word, distracted with so many other things, you know, and family and whatever. But uh, um, when I'm actually in a studio setting and and I'm just uh, you know vibing and creating that way, then yeah, it starts with you know a spark and then you just kind of build from that. I mean, it's pretty much the same for anyone else, I would say. Yeah, I was reading just the other day, like how um, the Manahan Street Band, the, they're on the Dap Kings, uh, that band, and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. They did some work with Sharon Jones and stuff. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that they were recording some of their music was they would get together, have dinner, and mm -hmm. then they would kind of talk about certain things or tell stories or something sure. like that. And then something out of that would spark. And then once the dinner was over, they would tr go to the studio and try and again just capture that emotion or yeah. that moment or something in that story mm -hmm. uh, and put try and put it on record. And it's, uh, it's such an interesting process. Like most people sometimes just kind of sit down to write a song or something. But this is a different kind of like you're getting at the heart of the matter almost. Right. That's the approach that uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, for instance, took with Janet Jackson, you know, several years back for Control. I mean, they just got together with her and, and talked about her life at that time and translated what she was going through musically. You know, and that's... Uh, certainly you know one of the most effective ways how was the creativity when you're like 
like s- with hanging with like Michael Jackson and Quincy or like hanging out with Stevie Wonder, any of these different types of people, how did you, s- was there any common elements of creativity that you saw or were they all just like amazing creative people and they just had their own well, kind of... Well, they are. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it, there, there are variations uh, in the approach, but really it's, it's all very organic. With Steve and with Michael, it was very organic. I mean, uh, in the approach and the creation. When I first started with Stevie, you know, uh, I was I became a member of his band Wonderlove, and during that time, uh, you know, the mid seventies, he kind of used the band as uh, as uh, a way to bounce ideas off of. You know, um, he did that a lot, or other times he, he had uh, complete ideas that you know he, he built from his own built on his own uh, built upon on his own but many times he you know he, he since he had wonder love he had the flexibility of using the band um, you know to to expand his ideas and, and just uh, you know just kind of vibe and groove and, 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 and see what becomes of it you know mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a great learning experience for me. It was, you know, that's why I call it Wonder University because it was <laughs> really, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was uh, just fantastic. You know, it's nothing like it. Um, and then Michael um, didn't have that kind of situation uh, for him, but you know, he, he he just organically came up with that with ideas on his own, and he would have, you know, a musician like me or, or maybe a couple guys to flesh the ideas out but he was always able to articulate what he wanted you know down to the 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 the, the tiniest nuance of of each sound like he was able to emulate uh, how he wanted the guitar to sound and, and he found uh, in David Williams for instance uh, you know that perfect combination to, to you know to where he could uh, um, get his ideas out because David understood him you know, that way, um, as I believe I understood him from my end. Yeah, he would also do the kind of like the beatboxing kind of thing too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to kind of give you a, a secure. Yeah, a yeah. You know, like one thing that comes to mind instantly is, uh, even though I didn't work on this song, but a song called Who Is It from the Dangerous album. That's a know, great track. You know, and so he was able to, you know, from his beatboxing, get that idea out and, and, and transforming in, into the record it became how did stevie communicate his ideas then what was his kind of beatboxing method or how did he kind of <laughs> well, <he didn't> <laughs> yeah. well he was able to do whatever he, he he wanted i mean you know through playing synths uh he also plays drums um and so he was able to emulate anything he wanted through synthesizers you know orchestrally um he would he would have uh, guitarists as well Acoustic or electric, just uh, but you know he did not have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you understood where he was going. Yeah, no, he didn't have a problem translating yeah. ideas at all. In terms of like Wonderland University, like did that eventually kind of sculpt and shape how you uh, communicate with other musicians in the uni- in in a studio or like what you were bringing? Yeah, to the I team? would say so because what I learned one of the uh, most important things I learned with Steve and being in that band was how to. Uh, get to the essence of each genre of music, like understanding what makes each genre, the the characteristics of what makes each genre what it is. In other words, 
what are the characteristics that make reggae sound like reggae? Or country sound like country? Or classical sound like classical? Or uh, R&B or funk sound like funk? Or gospel sound like gospel? Those things, you know, we, we would weave through different genres um, at any given time. Um, and it was, you know, a, a really um, helpful experience, you know. And it was able, I was able to take that knowledge and, and work effectively with, with other musicians too um, in just getting to, you know, again, the essence of whatever it is we were working on. That goes back again, echoing what you just said about getting to the emotion, getting to the mm -hmm. heart of the mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. It's either the genre or the emotion, I guess. You're just kind of mm -hmm. almost digging like a, a miner or like an uh, explorer, mm -hmm. and you're trying to get at something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're working with somebody like Stevie or Michael, is it kind of intimidating knowing like who they are and like what their status is and stuff? Or are you, do you feel comfortable enough to be sharing, or is that kind of like... Well, in the beginning with Stevie, of course it was intimidating. He he hired me just before I turned 19 mm -hmm. and just before he turned 25. <laughs> yeah. And this is like Songs in the Key of yeah. Life. Yeah, he was working on Songs in the Key of Life at 25. So just kind of let that marinate for a minute. But, yeah, but uh, by the time I got with Michael, I had worked with so many other artists and, you know, my confidence was growing exponentially. So... Uh, look, if you're if you're in a room with someone like Michael Jackson, th then you're supposed to be there. So, I I just uh, you know used my joy of of my musicality to combine with his, and uh, it, it's you know I I was able to look beyond you know the fact that oh this is Michael Jackson to just you know two musicians who are you know communicating. So, and that's pretty much the approach that I take with everybody at this point. I mean, uh, it's just, well, I'm so old now. I just, uh, <laughs> not, I don't, I don't really, uh, I've lost the intimidation thing. Yeah. Doesn't the music keep you young? Yeah. The music and my twin babies. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, you need a lot of energy for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How would you introduce, you have kids, so how would you introduce them to, Michael or to Eric Clapton or Stevie Wonder, like you know, it just happens naturally. It's funny because I have an eleven-year-old daughter, as well. But uh, some time after Michael died, she just on her own, like literally, woke up one morning and just connected with Michael and wanted to know everything about him and wanted to um, see his videos and check out his music. And then, of course, she had the added, uh, you know pleasure of knowing that her daddy was involved with him and uh so that that gave it a a new edge and and um you know with my boys who are only 21 months uh now i mean it'll just i'll just share my musical life with them you mm -hmm. know and, and let them uh uh you know discover uh help them discover those riches uh, on their own you know What's been the hardest thing about losing Michael? Because me as a fan, like, it's just you lose that freedom. That was, to me, what Michael represented was that, that dancing, the woo. Like, yeah. Like, school was done first time I saw Michael. Like, because school had all the structure and yeah. all the rules. Yeah. And then first time I saw him was the uh, the Motown show. 
where he did Billy Jean for the yeah. first time and oh he yeah, threw yeah, the hat. Yeah, Motown yeah. 25 and he threw the hat and then yeah. did the moonwalk and I'm like, I, I don't know what I just saw, but this is not normal. Like there's something, yeah. I just saw something big yeah. and I'm like, I want to participate. Like what do I got to do? Who do I, where do I sign up? Yeah. And so it's that freedom and like just having people like that, just like even when Prince died last year too, it's just that yeah, freedom. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, there's just a huge hole uh, creatively that's been made now with those losses. Um, very, very uh, sad and tragic that both of them are gone so young, you know. I mean, and yet Keith Richards, Mick Jagger. Putting them all in the and ground. Little Richard <laughs> are still here. Sly Stone is still here. And Prince isn't. I mean, it's just, you know, something you'd have never imagined. But, yeah, it's just very, very sad, man. And I just feel that it, with with every great artist that passes, it's just, you, it's just a, I imagine this hole uh, happens now. And, and, and the hole, unfortunately, is getting bigger, you know, between so many legendary artists that we've lost between Natalie Cole to Maurice White, you know, to, to uh, Bowie and just on and on and on. It's, it's tough. But, you know, we have those memories and their music to, to enjoy, study, and expand on. Yeah. Is there a certain people, I mean, you mentioned the heavies and that's who we've been kind of talking about, but is there people... Um, like similar to yourself, who just kind of fly under the radar a little bit, or they should get a little bit more credit or recognition for their kind of contribution. Oh man, there's. I'm sure there are. Um, I mean, uh, you know that that could be said about me. <laughs> it yeah. could be said about well, I don't know, all kinds of people. Because um, you're very lucky in a sense. You got to participate like with somebody like Michael, but. You didn't have all the burden of fame and like, I don't know if that is a burden, if you consider that a burden, but Michael really couldn't go anywhere after a certain point. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and it is a burden, but then it's something that, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword because he, he brought a lot of it on himself. He wanted that. He wanted that fame, but that kind of fame, that level of fame was really uh, only reserved for him. The reason why he was the most famous and the greatest is because he reached the babies as well as the grandparents. He had a direct connection with babies, young, you know, like in single digits, mm -hmm. you know, kids that no other artist, not Elvis, not Prince, not the Beatles, none of them had that connection with babies as well as the adults, you know, and uh, Michael did. And I saw it firsthand, like with my daughter, when she just one day connected with him, in in almost a spiritual way. It was pretty amazing to see. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's that joy that you talked about too, mm -hmm. the fun, I guess, and that's I think kind of why Stevie too is very much like a joker and kind of like the impression I get. Oh yeah, he's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> he's a nutty guy. But yeah, there's a, you know. That kind of artistry, you know, is able to convey every emotion, you know, uh, from joy to deep sadness, you know. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you, you s that level of artistry, you know, um, 
you know, between Steve, Stevie, Prince, Michael, they're able to, to convey, you know, pretty much every emotion. Uh, but it's it's the joy that you hear in their music that that affects all of us, you know. So then um, that's why they'll be missed. You can maintain that level of joy and that level of fun in the studio, even though there's like a pressure, I guess, because it's like, like, how do you follow up an well, album? See, like that's the challenge. Yeah, that's the challenge. And it is exactly that, a challenge, you know, but it depends on your mindset. You can't go into uh, any project just thinking about sales, you know, how much money you're going to make uh, or, you know, if you're going to top the last. Pro- you just have to, you know, go in in, in the uh, in 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 the present, you know. And you have to create where you are at the time, you know. And again, it goes back to feeling good to you. Feel if it feels good to you, someone else, someone else out there is going to connect with it. Uh, but you, it, and it's very, very difficult to do. It's very difficult to, you know, uh, album after album go in, and, you know, and starting fresh and not be conscious of not be conscious of where you were. Uh, before and all the expectations that go along with it. It's difficult, but uh, it just really depends on your mindset and committing to just, you know, creating from where you are in the in the moment. You're almost talking about like a blank slate almost. It's yeah. like, forget yeah. that I just made Thriller, the yeah. greatest album of all time. Yeah. I'm going to start like brand new kid, like almost like his transition from Motown to like, uh, off the wall. It's like you're. Ba- he's making an off the wall almost every time. Like just a brand yeah, new like. Yeah. But by the time we got to Thriller, he was writing, which I didn't know at the time. But he was writing a hundred million sales in his bathroom wall. You know, in his ba- bathroom mirror. Yeah. And no, so he, he was, was very committed. focused. He knew. Oh, he was focused. Yeah. Um, and it helps when you have somebody like Quincy as he, well, just to kind of. Yeah, there's that uh, as well. But uh, he he uh, he was committed to outdoing himself with every project, you know. And obviously you want to you want to have you know that goal or set of goals to to uh reach for. But you also have to be prepared for potential disappointment if you don't get there. Um what is harder so to live with, success or disappointment as an artist? Because you can still make a good album, but if it quote unquote doesn't sell or doesn't connect with the audience, then is it still yes. is it considered a failure then, or what is that considered? Well, if you're Michael, <laughs> it <laughs> should be considered a failure. I know the uh, studio was uh, the record company was sad with bad because it didn't quote unquote sell as much as Thriller, which was kind of like a ridiculous. Well, no, but you can't, yeah. I mean, you can't expect you can't expect that kind of uh, sales every time. Sales every, you can't, or you'll be disappointed every time. Was bad any less of an album than Thriller? You could argue that. Um, there were great songs on on both records, but uh, it's a combination of of elements. It's what's going on with the artists. It's what's going on culturally. It's what's going on um, uh, in the world where people's uh, attentions are focused. It's it's a combination of things, um, but it's again that's why it's very difficult to go into a project thinking I'm going to outdo the last one because mm-hmm. you know you you could potentially never 
actually finish the project by being overwhelmed with that as a burden. You know, so you don't want to do that. Last question: What is inspiring you these days when you're thinking about making music or playing without keys and things like that? What is uh, my kids? I want to do a project. I want to. I want to. Um, as I'm inspired by them, I'm inspired by the fact that I brought these beautiful souls into the world, and I, I want to. Uh, I want to let them know that, you know, musically. So I would say, I would say that's the number one thing. Do they like to sing and dance? Oh, um, I know they're my, still. My boys, my boys uh, get a kick out of uh, listening to me play uh, their favorite songs, like the Thomas theme song, the theme song, the Thomas the Train, yeah. or Elmo, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Uh, my daughter plays uh, piano as well. Um, she was much more into it when she was younger but gymnastics has taken over now so um, the focus yeah the focus is on gymnastics but she does play thank you Greg for taking some time and uh, hanging out and talking old school new school yeah so what are your t what's the talk going to be for the Ryerson kids tomorrow I'm going to tell them all to avoid going into the music business no um, <laughs> <laughs> I, no I'm just going to uh hang with them and and check out uh, what they're doing and and uh you know hopefully offer some advice talk a little bit of uh my experiences and uh hope i can inspire somebody great thank you yeah thank you sir